Capital Market Insights from ICMA. Greetings and a warm welcome to the ICMA FinTech Podcast, a series where we explore the technological innovation in and transformation of the international capital markets. I'm Oliver Tinkler, Head of Communications and Press for ICMA. As an international trade association, ICMA is involved with the intricate landscapes of primary, secondary, repo and collateral markets, and we understand the pivotal role of market electronification. Throughout this series, we will bring you conversations with ICMA's fintech vendor members, the driving forces behind the innovation shaping our capital markets. Today, we are delighted to be joined by Steve Tolland, co-founder of Transfic. Steve, many thanks indeed for joining us today. Uh, To those of our listeners kind of unaware of who Transfic are, could you tell us a little about yourself and your company? Sure. Uh, Well, first off, Oliver, uh, thanks thanks for having us on. Love working with uh, the ICMA organization, obviously like the uh, the annual conferences, but we've also done you know, lots of other work in terms of educational and, and other, other events with ICMA. So, uh, so happy to be here. Um, in terms of intros, uh, yeah, uh, I'm Steve Toland. I'm one of the co-founders at Transfic. Um, my role at Transfic is really sort of sales and business development. Uh, the other co-founders are uh, two of them, uh, Judd and Tom, are developers, and, and most of our organisation, we're about 50 strong now, um, are, we're a very technical uh, organisation, so most people are in development or network engineering roles. Um, uh, in terms of what Transfic do, um, I mean, essentially, we, we provide e-trading systems um, uh, focused on trading. Obviously, there's market data and post-trade, but I think our our core, if you like, value add is on the trading side, and that's across fixed income markets. We only do fixed income. Um, now, obviously, when you say fixed income, there's lots of fra- you know sub markets. So there's sort of rates and credit, and we've got you know government bonds, corporate bonds, and interest rate swaps, and repos and futures, and sub markets like munis and mortgages, etc. So uh, so it's quite broad across all of fixed income. And, and and what we do with our customers is really sort of two things. One is, you know, we normalize APIs uh, in the electronic trading markets. So the real thing that that's doing for customers is helping them connect to more electronic trading venues and do it in an easier fashion. And obviously what they want to do is reach more customers or more trading counterparties. So that's one side to it. And I think the other side that, you know, we really bring to customers is helping them build out their automated trading tools. So, you know, obviously we're, I know we're going to get into it in this, in this uh, podcast, but um, fixed income markets are changing, uh, things are automating, and we provide a sort of platform which helps customers automate their trading flows. So uh, that's what we do. Would you count that as being your core innovation or the, you know, the unique feature that sets your fintech product apart? Core innovation. I think, I think we have sort of two two levels of innovation you know, rather than sort of just talk about a, a product pitch but we're using sort of innovation in different ways internally to help develop our products and then i think there's a lot of innovation going on in the fixed income markets you know at different trading venues and we're trying to make that easier to access uh, for our customers so let's dig into those a little bit so in terms of core innovation what we do um, i think the most innovative thing that we do is how we build the software I mean, I'm not one of the developers, but I, I talk to all our team all the time. So, so a couple of things that we do there, we, uh, we're a bit religious about pair programming. So no developer can work on their own. They have to work with other developers. And, uh, and before they write any software, they have to write tests first. 
So they write a test you know, for a new bit of software functionality, but crucially that new piece of software, that line of code is tested against that new test that they've written and every other test we've ever written since the company started. And so that makes, makes our software very reliable, very resilient, also makes it, makes it because it's automated testing, we can release quickly. So we release to our customers every day in a development environment and we actually release to production every other Saturday. So a customer can ask for something today, you know, they might have it in the dev environment tomorrow and they could have it in production this Saturday. So that turnaround time is, you know, how we release software, how we develop and how we release is, you know, other people do it, but we're pretty religious about it. Um, one of the other innovations internally is our business model. So it's, it's software as a service. Now I know most of the software we buy on our phones these days, you know, apps and it's all software as a service, but that's different in capital markets. We, our customers are banks or other large trading venues, etc., and compliance and regulation is key. People don't like having software beyond their sort of firewalls, etc. So um, we only provide software as a service. It means we can be more flexible in upgrading APIs, etc. But the way we make banks feel comfortable on how the software is delivered is no, well, it's it's hosted centrally. No bank, you know, bank customer shares servers. So each got their own sort of different physical infrastructure, even though it's all hosted by us. So, so that's quite innovative how we do the software as a service. And then we use some pretty cool messaging technology. It's called Aeron. I won't get into the details here, but it's very fast. You know, it can process up to, we've tested up to a million messages per second, but typically, you know, for production testing, we're going up to a hundred thousand messages a second. Um, and so that's really important in, in the fixed income markets, certain markets, uh, like MTS or broker tech, you need to trade fast, low latency. It's very important for a competitive advantage. Um, but also being able to process a lot of messages quickly, even in RFQ markets, which, you know, are a little bit slower in how they operate. If you can process messages quicker, you, you're more efficient. You need less servers, um, you know, and effectively it's more cost effective. So, so those are some of the innovations, you know, that we're putting into our product internally and then externally there's a there's a heck of a lot of innovation going on in fixed income so if you look at the the, the larger trading venues like you know bloomberg and tradeweb and market access and trumid etc they're, they're adding lots of sort of functionality in different areas so things like you know list or portfolio trading things like all to all trading you know driven by you know etf markets etc uh, and you can see that some of those uh, trading venues as well are buying algorithmic trading applications uh, etc to try and automate some of their trading flows and so obviously for us normalizing those trading venue apis you know we're making it easier for our customers to access those new features and functions or those new innovations going on uh, in the marketplace so it's you know our sort of pitch is you know you're coding to one api with transfer rather than you know lots of apis and so you can actually essentially build a new trading application quicker or we're actually we're building some of those trading applications ourselves so, so it's quite a long answer but lots of innovation going on internal and and in the marketplace and oh, that's good to know thanks very much for that steve I'm, I'm interested to know you know back in the early days of transfic well i suppose kind of prior to the formation of transfic what was the 
What inspired the development of, of this solution? And, and at the time, you know, how did it address a particular need or a specific challenge in the capital markets? Well, we actually got, um, I'd like to say we had the idea. Um, the company's been going seven years now, but we, we didn't have the idea ourselves. I, I actually got approached by a customer. The customer said, hey, you know, we're with, a, you know, with a, an incumbent vendor, but we have to buy everything in our e-trading suite. This is for a sell-side bank. Uh, everything in our e-trading suite is basically provided by one single vendor. We want to change that. We want to build some components ourselves. So front-end trading GUI and pricing application but the back end sort of stuff all this api translation and the network connectivity that's a bit painful we don't really want to do that bit so you know i was originally asked for a, a quote proposal saying yeah can you build these parts you know and we're going to build these parts and that that request for a proposal was really what became our business plan originally so that's that's where the original genesis of the idea came from i suppose kind of looking ahead uh, in the industry as a whole, you know, when you look forward, you know, what, what, what emerging trends do you see? And, and I suppose when it comes back to Transfic and your, your solution, how is uh, your product kind of positioned to evolve over the medium term? Uh, so trends in, in fixed income, it's all capital. Everything's got to get automated and everything's going to get more efficient by our APIs. Um, so that's obviously as we're an API focused company that, that that's sort of good for us, but that's where we're positioned. But if you think about it, I mean, obviously uh, fixed income is, is not as electronic as say other uh, asset classes in capital markets, you know, equities or, fi uh, or, or, or foreign exchange. Um, and, and some of that in fixed income is because of what I mentioned earlier. It's there's fragmentation of assets. There's lots of different sub asset classes and we have because it's less commoditized product, you know, it's much more complex workflows. So it's request for quote type workflows are very pro you know, prominent and, you know, and there are lots of variations thereof. Um, you know, in terms of list trading or portfolio trading, like I mentioned, but, you know, that's the, the sort of complexity. That's why it's not as electronic. Where I think we are in that sort of, you know, what's coming next in fixed income is obviously there's a, you know, the, the core electronic trading venues, you know, Bloomberg and TradeWeb Market Access and BrokerTech and MTS, etc. What they've done largely between um, buy side and sell side is, is electronify what are voice trading protocols. Okay, so they basically, you know, codified, you know, and made them electronic and traded on a venue. Um, but, you know, largely speaking, you know, both on the bank side and on the buy side, you've actually got traders physically tapping on screens to go through those trading venues. So it's electronic, but not yet automated. Now, obviously, we're working with, you know, our customers to build out auto response to tools, auto negotiation tools. Other people are building, you know, algorithmic trading tools. I, I, I differentiate automated for when you've got a machine trading on one venue to algorithmic, the machine is making a decision to trade across venues. Um, but I still, I think we're at very much the start of the evolutionary, evolutionary life cycle of automated and algorithmic trading and fixed income. Um, I did see an interview essentially on their website, Market Access, the CEO talking about, you know, there's going to be, you know, no one's hiring more traders 
you know, there's going to be less traders over time. Um, um, I think all those people who are sat in trading seats at the moment will move to different roles. Um, so they'll think they'll be gainfully involved, but, but there is going to be less traders actually physically executing trades and more machines. Um, so I think that's to... the biggest trend. Yeah, I mean, I mean, very interesting response. And, and does that point to a kind of a greater involvement of AI in this space, you think, more broadly? Yeah. Well, I don't. So it's partly how do you define AI? So when I, I when I think of AI, I'm, I'm thinking of generative AI or, you know, the HAL computer in 2001, you know, making it. And I don't think that's ready uh, for prime time. And that's because of the regulatory requirements on our customers. Um, it's a very stringent regulated market. I know we're going to talk a little bit about regulation that's coming. But, um, you know, one of the things you have to do, if you have an automated or an algorithmic trading product uh, or tool, you need to very clearly document exactly how it works um, and you need to test it thoroughly, okay, before you can put it into production. Um, now, I don't think I'd be like to be a, you know, a senior manager at a bank signing off on, you know, the how computer taught himself how, how the, you know, the, the rules of this RRFQ protocol and, and came up with this algorithm. I, I wouldn't feel comfortable with that. So I don't think, you know, full AI is really um, the fixed income yet in, the, in, in terms of trading. I do think, you know, you can do lots of things with AI in terms of, you know, obviously analyzing data and on the analytics side and, and using it that way. So we will see AI coming into fixed income markets. But I feel I think it personal opinion. I'm I'm wrong on lots of stuff, but I think it's a little bit early for it to become sort of be being sort of utilized in in trading execution. Just just thinking back to the early days of of Transfic again. Obviously, you, you know you you mentioned that it was actually a, a a client who asked you to develop a solution. When you were rolling that out, kind of past that that client, you know, did you face kind of any further obstacles taking your solution to a kind of a wider market. Yeah, million, 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 yeah. millions of issues. Um, it, it was pretty interesting actually. So we, you know, obviously we had an idea and I thought, oh, that's a pretty good idea. And, and part of the, the interest was uh, because of the complexities of workflows in fixed income we talked about, there's quite, there wasn't very many uh, competitor uh, fintechs in the space, you know, so that was quite attractive. Um, and so initially, you, you know, with the, the few incumbent vendors, you know, particularly banks, so we were like, welcome with open arms. This is, hey, this is a great idea. We'd, you know, if you can build it, we'll buy it. People saying that to actually, uh, <laughs> actually signing a contract with you is, 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 you know, a long way apart. So obviously there is, at any bank, there is, um, you know, compliance and regulation we talked about and there's, you know, um, this is electronic trading. It's embedded systems and it's been there for years and there's lots of back office and middle office downstream dependencies. You can't just, you know, oh, download the app and we'll change it out. It doesn't work like that. So um, originally, you know, people liked the idea, but it was like, you know, it took a long while to get going. First thing everyone asks is, have you got another customer? 
you know, and I go, well, no, but, you know, why don't you be the first? And they go, prefer you get someone else. Um, so so what what was the real, I think, um, it was really helpful for us is um, Commerce Bank in Germany said that, you know, they were, they said, hey, we like what you're trying to do. We will be an early investor. Um, and then um, Citibank particularly, they said, why don't you come into our, you know, we like your prototype that you've built. Uh, why don't you come into our innovation lab? Um, you know, this is what we're trying to do in terms of building some automated trading tools. Um, they said, you know, we like we like you guys at Transfic. You know, you, you've got some really good ideas on, like we said earlier, about how you release and how you, how you want to host the software. Uh, they said at the time, you don't know a lot about fixed income. We'll teach you about fixed income in our innovation lab. And and so that that really was a sort of a game changer in terms of city helping us develop the product you know for their automated trading use case and then obviously you know when we get live and in, into production you know they obviously in covid they said okay we'll go public on being a customer so it really helps when you can actually say well we've actually you know yeah we have got a customer now and it's Citibank. um you know it gives you credibility and helps gives other banks confidence you know that they can go with you as well so we've you know we've we've come quite a long way we're up to 11 bank customers now and we've got five other customers in you know trading venues or you know got first couple of buy side we've only recently moved into the buy side it takes a while to you know sort of build the initial software and get that initial traction it's quite you know it's uh, it's really hard to sort of get started because of you know a lot of those objections we talked about quite a quite a story i'm picking up on a point you raised earlier certainly about kind of regulatory compliance and matching that with with innovation how have you found kind of balancing that equation especially as as fixed income is a constantly evolving landscape yeah i I mean i i do um and probably i whilst i don't like getting the information security questionnaires and the and the compliance updates etc in in the same way the banks it's um it, it, it's it's an important part of what we do. I mean, you've just got to get your your, your sort of head around it and 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 sort of embrace it. Um, I do think it's difficult for particularly banks to you know, as one um, not a customer, but uh, one of the banks I was talking to recently, a guy who heads up credit, you know, e trading, said to me, you know, he goes, it, it's really hard for us to bring in you know, innovative vendors like yourself, because we're, we're sort of overwhelmed with all our compliance and regulatory stuff. But I think in some places it can, you know, uh, new regulations can help drive change. Um, so one example, um, uh, I think, is the Consolidated Tape Initiative. I know there was a, an ICMA meeting on this yesterday. I didn't attend, but Consolidated Tape, I think, in Europe is going to help basically drive you know, more transparent market data uh, for bonds and that over time will help grow the market and bring more transparency, which is a great thing. Um, and then uh, another example is this DORA regulations, which come in uh, in Jan 25. So that's the Digital Operations Resiliency Act. So it's, a, it's European regulation. But what that says is that if you're a major financial institution trading, Okay, you've got to have resilient plans in place to deal with either, you know, a a cyber attack um, or, you know, a a major data center uh, issue. And and what's driving that is a couple of recent incidents. I mean, there was um, uh, the the Chinese bank ICBC 
uh, had a, a ransomware attack in November, uh, which affected all their US Treasury trading, um, did affect them quite adversely and other market participants uh, back in November. And there was another example with a, um, a DBS um, uh, in Singapore. They had a data center fire and they weren't able to fall over uh, while they had a data center, you know, DR center, they weren't able to fall over adequately in time, etc. And And so regulators really want, you know, financial institutions to have you know, resilient uh, capability in place. And part of that involves having diversity of vendors, you know, so you don't want to go with one vendor anymore, whether it's Transfic or anyone else. You as a financial institution want to have different vendors, different parts of the uh, solution built, maybe built in-house and have modular. Uh, that is just a more resilient way of approaching things, but also helps address some of this, you know, regulatory concern as well. That's brilliant. Thanks for that. Yeah, I mean, the DORA regulation is actually, this is the first time we've heard that. So that's, that's, that's a very interesting um, aspect for this call. One one final question. And so th we are recording this at the in the early part of January uh, 2024. So, you know, with that in mind, you know, what what aspirations do you have for for Transfic over the over the coming year? Uh, well, we've just we just had our kickoff for the the year yesterday, actually, and we sort of had everyone together in the company and said this is what we're planning to do. Uh, obviously, we are you know hoping to sign up more customers and grow revenues, etc. We're a, we're, a, we're a fintech startup. That's what you do. Um, uh, two areas of sort of focus for us: uh, we, we we're going to be launching an uh, an automated e-trading product uh, for bank customers. It helps them automate their trading. Um, uh, in response to inbound RFQs, it's it's U.S. credit markets we're doing first, so we've got a um, we've built that. We've got a customer testing, uh, but we're hoping to you know fully launch that. I'm pretty excited about that one. And then we're doing quite a lot with the buy side. Um, so we've built out um, a simulator uh, and an API uh, for uh, normalized API for the buy side to basically uh, raise RFQs to different trading venues. Uh, but what's quite nice about the simulator is it basically um, gives them a sort of a uh, gives those buy side customers a, a fully um, even like rounded sort of testing environment. One of the things you, when you go to trading venues, you often need, uh, you know, you, you need the, the screen to initiate the RFQs, etc. And you, you need someone to be on the other side of the trade, etc. Uh, our simulator helps uh, customers um, with those responses. So they raise an RFQ and our simulator will, will respond to them, etc. So hoping to do a lot more with the buy side in 2024. Those are uh, I would say are the two main focuses. Well, that's brilliant. Well, Steve, firstly, thank you very much for joining me on today's podcast. Uh, look forward to hearing from you again soon and maybe seeing you at a few kind of ICMA fintech uh, and digitalization forums. Um, if you'd like to learn more about ICMA's work across fintech and digitalization, then please look at the episode description where we have included links to some useful resources. But uh, in the meantime, uh, look forward to uh, speaking with you soon and join us next time. Thank you for listening. For more ICMA podcasts and further information on capital markets, please visit our website, icmagroup.org.